London Calling. London Walks Connecting. London Walks here with your daily London fix. Story time, history time. Served him right. If I'd been there, I would have cheered on the bear. And look, we don't know exactly when the attack took place. All we know for sure is that it happened in 1709. I'm fitting it in here on June 11th because we have an advert for June 11th in the year 1716. The bear did for Mr. Bear Bader. Almost devoured him, in fact. But like Elvis Presley's death, it was a good career move. The tragedy, if you can call it a tragedy... My every instinct is to call it just desserts. Anyway, the bear settling scores with his tormentor did wonders for the business. His widow took it over and bigger crowds than ever turned out. The attraction wasn't just an afternoon's bear baiting. Everybody wanted to see where Bruno had done for and eaten a good portion of the proprietor. Here's the ad. At the request of several persons of quality, on Monday the 11th of this instant June, is one of the largest and most mischievous bears that ever was seen in England to be baited to death, with other variety of bull and bear baiting, as also a wild bull to be turned loose in the game place with fireworks all over him. To begin exactly at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, because the sport continues long. As for the 1709 bear attack on the scoundrel, scumbucket, vulture capitalist who was the man, we can go and stand there. Watch in our mind's eye a bear enjoying a spot of man-baiting. It took place at the victim's business establishment, the notorious bear pit at Hockley in the Hole in Clarkenwell. We know exactly where that was. Today it's the junction of Warner Street and Back Hill. Now who's for some program notes? They're a straight lift from the record that's come down to us. Basically, one of Slimebag's bears got a hold of him, and here, word for word, is the program note. He was almost devoured before his friends were aware of the danger. Good on you, bear. I'm going to close out by turning to Shakespeare. A bear figures in Shakespeare's most famous stage direction. Exit stage left, pursued by a bear. And there's that famous reference toward the end of Macbeth. All of Macbeth's support has drained away. He's practically alone in his castle, surrounded by the armies of the English and the murdered king's sons, Malcolm and Donalbane. And he says, They have tied me to a stake. I cannot fly, but bear-like. I must fight the course. In Shakespeare's day, the unspeakably horrible, vile business of bear-baiting, along with cockfighting and bull-baiting, took place at the Rose Theatre on the bank side, no more than a long stone's throw from Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. 
The buildings there today are mostly 19th century, but the building line is 16th century. Rose Alley suddenly widens out, and yes, those widened parameters mark out the site of the arena. It hardly bears, bears, there's the verb for you. It hardly bears thinking about. They'd stack the deck against the dogs, because dogs were a replenishable resource. Bears were harder to come by. So usually the bear would grolic. It's an old English word, and it really sounds right for what it is. Usually the bear would grolic half a dozen of the dogs. Okay, the polite, tasteful, fastidious, Latin-based equivalent of grolic is disembowel. The bear would grolic several of the dogs, and then the pack would cower away. Just occasionally, the dogs would get the bear down and rip its throat out. 3,000 bloodlusted Londoners would watch this. Good Queen Bess, Queen Elizabeth, liked nothing more than to watch the bear baiting. For me, finally, lifting the curtain on that vile cultural sore is important because it gives us a good idea of the extremes the Elizabethan experience embraced. There in the Rose Theatre, you have a terrified, maddened bear chained to a stake, desperately trying to defend itself from a pack of terrified, maddened dogs. And 3,000 maddened human beings were just yards away, beside themselves with excitement. And just over the way, at the Globe Theatre, Shakespeare was giving the most sublime expression to thoughts too deep for tears. Those were the extremes the Elizabethan experience embraced. I think finally we shouldn't be too hard on them. When it comes to barbaric behavior, we're kidding ourselves if we think we're vastly superior to our Elizabethan forebears. I'm just now finishing Geoffrey Wheatcroft's brilliant study of Winston Churchill. In his final stock-taking, Wheatcroft reminds us that Winston Churchill was ultimately responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of civilians. Time for a handbrake turn. Time for this podcast's Today in London recommendation. Why not head to Ottomezzo, the Italian deli in Thackeray Street in Kensington? Ottomezzo serves up the best toasted sandwiches this side of Tuscany. The one you want to ask for is called the Fellini. A heads up, though, their lunchtime business is so brisk, they don't do counter service until after 2 p.m. Okay, sign-off time. I'm going to lead into this by putting the matter at hand, enlisting the services of a great guide, in sailing terms. Why would you sail without rudder, compass, or ballast? Similarly, if you want to get to know London... Why would you sail without a great guide? Okay, you've been listening to the Today in London History podcast, emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's local, time-honored, fiercely independent, family-owned, just-the-right-size walking tour company. And as long as we're at it, 
London's multi-award-winning walking tour company. Indeed, London's only award-winning walking tour company. And here's the secret. London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for 20 pounds a walk, but you can't get world-class guides, let alone accomplished professionals. None of this is rocket science. You get what you pay for. And just as surely, you also get what you don't pay for. Back in 1968, when we got started, we quickly came to a fork in the road. We had to answer a blockbuster question. Do we want to make the most money? Or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money in this game, you go the schlubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company in the world, you do whatever you have to do to attract and keep elite all-star guides. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards. It's the reason we've got a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able uniquely to front our walks with accomplished professionals. Barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, archaeologists, historians, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, the author of The Lonely Planet Guide to London, a Cambridge University paleontologist, the former editor of Independent Television News, Guide of the Year Award winners. Well, you get the idea. As that travel writer famously put it, if this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we put it, London Walks guides make the new familiar and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London walks. Good Londoning and good luck. See you tomorrow.